Hi everyone, welcome back for another episode of EGO's MRCI podcast. My name is Rochelle Kernan and today I have a very special guest. Her name is Dr. Belladonna Mulianda. She is leader of production research group for Permatina, which is the state-owned enterprise of Indonesia. And she is currently in the new RTI Upstream Research and Technology Innovation Group. How are you doing today, doctor? So good to have you here. I'm good, Dr. Rachel. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. Um, It's an honor to finally uh, be able to chat with you. I know we've had this on the calendar for several months now. So thank you for taking time uh, to speak with me. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So to start off, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So maybe something that inspired you uh, to pursue your college education, where you went to school, and then uh, maybe something about any career passions or goals that you have. Okay. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Rachel. So a little bit about me, Uh, my profile summary is I have around 17 years of industrial experience with international energy companies and research center in Canada, Scotland, Malaysia, and currently in Indonesia. So I've been exposed to several positions such as technical advisory, applied and fundamental research, consultancy project, teaching, people development, and field operations. So my education background is I had my bachelor from gas and petrochemical engineering from University of Indonesia. And then I also had my PhD from University of Calgary in petroleum engineering, specializing in geomechanics. Mm -hmm. And I also a licensed professional engineer from uh, Canada. And about my working experience, I started uh, working for Slumberger uh, as a field engineer in Canada, I did some open hole logging measurement. I did that for a couple of years in Canada, US, and Scotland. Then after that, I uh, decided to go back to Indonesia because it was a really harsh and difficult environment for for me because I was uh, the only girl in the camp uh, Mm -hmm. during that time in Fort McMurray, and then especially in winter project, we could work for around three months on and then one month off for twenty four seven. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. So I, I decided to go back home and then work for a French company uh, for Total uh, Indonesia. I did that um, for a couple years also. I I, I was a reservoir engineer. So I did few studies for the uh, majored field in Indonesia in Mahakam. Okay. And after that, I got a PhD opportunities, uh, a scholarship from UC of Calgary. So I went back to Canada and then uh, I started as master. But then in North America, you can convert your master to PhD after you finish uh, your uh, PhD candidacy exam and then did few uh, graduate courses with minimum GPA 3.5. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I got a scholarship from a Canadian company called Talisman. Yeah. So they had a, a unconventional reservoir project for tight gas. So I did mechanics studies, um, like to improve the stimulated reservoir volume prediction uh, using the multi-stage hydraulic fracturing. So I did few codings. Uh, I, I developed new empirical uh, equations, and I also did a finite element modeling using Abacus. 
And while working for my PhD, I also worked uh, for a few companies such as Weatherford and Pitcan as their uh, geomechanic advisor for their uh, local and also international clients. And then after that, I graduated in 2017 after six years of uh, master converted to PhD. Uh, in 2017, I got an opportunity to work as an uh, assistant professor for University of Petronas in Malaysia. Oh, nice. So I did that for almost three and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, I did few projects for Petronas Canada for their Montney Shell. And then I also supervised few masters and PhD students. And I also led a research group uh, consists of few assistants, professors, postgrad, postdoc, and so on. Awesome. Yeah. So, and then after that, since 2020, Dr. Rachel, I got an opportunity to work for Pertamina, the state-owned uh, enterprise in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So in Pertamina, I'm exposed to many uh, strategic uh, projects such as the CCUS uh, energy transition in, in whole, but then specifically in CCUS and uh, geothermal and decarbonization initiative, net zero emission initiatives, and so on. So, uh, and fortunately, uh, Indonesia is the host for G20 this year. Mm -hmm. And our CEO, Ibunika, uh, CEO of uh, Pertamina, is being appointed as the B20 chair of the Energy and Sustainable Climate. And I'm also involved in her uh, task force team to help her to provide few of the uh, policies papers uh, in, in CCUS and also in the other uh, energy transition. So how we're going to shift to new and renewable energy basically, mm -hmm. because we, we're still heavily relying on the oil and gas, but we're, we're, we're uh, slowly transi transitioning into the new and renewable energy. And other than that, I'm also involved in the ministry uh, task force team mm -hmm. to uh, drafting the, the regulation on CCUS because Indonesia doesn't have it yet. So we're starting on uh, drafting the regulation since last year. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I'm also advising uh, the other subholding and also uh, the other SOEs um, in terms of, for example, uh, natural-based solution, for the decarbonization and also on the geothermal side because also geomechanics is playing an important role in, in geothermal and, and so on. Um, and probably my last thing is my uh, patient, Dr. Rachel, is to empower the other women. So I initiated the first uh, female employee community in Pertamina because uh, as I did a benchmark on the global energy companies that the other energy companies such as Petronas, Chevron, Slumbridge and Sun, uh, all of them have the female uh, employee communities to empower them, to uh, to motivate them to go to the board, uh, board of directors level and so on. So I initiated and then I, I created the first female employee community in Pertamina and also as the first uh, state-owned enterprise minister uh, ministries um, uh, bodies. So, so um, Pertamina is the first one that has the female employee community, which was last year. Oh. So I think that's all about me, Dr. Rachel. Sorry if it's too long. No, no, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Your it's like your CV is just blows my mind when I when I saw it. So thank you for being here and thank you for creating that women's group. Um, could you tell our audience any um, goals or 
passions that you still want to accomplish going forward? Yeah, it's it's a good question because um, I've been away from Indonesia for almost 15 years. So I was in Canada, Malaysia and so on. So uh, after I came back to Indonesia, I realized that there's a lot of things that I can contribute back to, to a lot of people here and also uh, the government. Yeah. Because my expertise in geomechanics, so Dr. Rachel, as you know, and there's not many of us yeah. uh, as a geomechanics, how to say, geomechanics cis or geomechanic uh-huh. expert it's it's not a lot in 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 the world especially in indonesia i i only know for the other two geomechanics i guess in in indonesia so i i want to contribute back to to my country in terms of geomechanics because as you know for example ccus right in america for example if i heard from prof uh, mark zoback the, the geomechanic expert in stanford uh-huh. he was saying that even though uh, they did very uh, strict and then a lot of studies in terms of CCUS there are there are still many indian seismic in in us yeah. even though there is doe and an epa and so on right with the strict regulation and so on there is so many indian seismic in in the us mm-hmm. um so uh, if you if you were asking me about my patients so I'm, I'm still thinking how can i contribute back to to my country even though for example i went for phd i, I didn't get any scholarship from my country or, or any other uh, you know, commitment from my country, but I still need to, you know, I think I need to uh, give back to my country and then teach the young generations how important it is, um, the the energy transition and then how to do it properly and so on. Yeah. Because if I notice, Dr. Rachel, there's so many people that just want to do it just because, you know, yeah. just because it's the, you know, it's the popular topics these days. Yeah. You know, because the other countries are doing it, right? Yes. So, but that's not right for me you know we have to do it correctly we have to avoid the the induced seismic we have to avoid polluting the 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 water uh, subsurface water and so on right so there's so many homework that we have to do it uh, as indonesia because you know indonesia is not the annex one country right so we don't get the carbon tax yet mm-hmm. but uh, as you know a lot of countries like japan uh, us and so on they, they are the, the next one country and then they have this obligation to do the injection of the CO2 to the subsurface, right? Yes. So there's a lot of companies coming to Indonesia and then to Pertamina mm-hmm. because Pertamina owns most of the field uh, of the oil, oil and gas in Indonesia and then they're trying to collaborate with us, right? So that's why I always advise the management that, you know, we have to do it properly, properly yeah. even though it takes us some years, right? Yeah. But it, it's better to, to do properly in, 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 in the early time. So then later on, we're not going to suffer. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my patient. So, so that's my first uh, number one patient and number two patient is basically to motivate the young, uh, the young women generation to pursue STEM, mm-hmm. right? Because in Indonesia, we're still lacking of uh, women in, in, in STEM and, and especially in, in the board of uh, directors levels. Yeah. So I think those two are uh, Dr. Richard. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm like deeply touched by what you've said. And we basically, we, we just need more people that think like you going forward. That's my <laughs> my humble opinion. <laughs> so to talk a bit more about your current role, can you please share with us uh, some of the projects that you're overseeing? Um, you had mentioned maybe uh, that there some of them are Indonesia and also elsewhere. Could you share some of that with us? 
Yeah, so um, currently because I'm in the the center of my company, like like my company have many subholdings, mm-hmm. right? There's there's many a uh, few of the the companies under my company, but I'm in the center of it. So I'm currently advising or or observing and reviewing uh, the the energy transitions uh, projects, uh, mostly RCUS. Uh, as probably you and the other audience already uh, saw in the news that uh, we as Pertamina and also Indonesia, we work and collaborate with the other uh, countries such as Japan, Japan and also US. Uh, such as uh, Chevron, Exxon, and so on in terms of the low carbon initiatives. So um, my current role role is basically advising in terms of the subsurface and geomechanics, like how we uh, conduct the study uh, properly in terms of the cap rock, in terms of, you know, um, the the fault activation, the natural fractures, and so on, like how how we can uh, inject it properly and then uh, how much we can store in terms of the storage and sequestration. But if we're talking about uh, how to monetize the CO2 injection, uh, of course, the, the company also wants uh, some of the projects can be monetized, right, right Dr. Rachel? So uh, they're, they're thinking also to conduct the CO2 EOR, or we call it CO2 enhanced oil recovery yep. or enhanced gas recovery. So while we're injecting the CO2, we can uh, current, uh, parallelly uh, increasing the oil and gas production as well. So those are those are my, my current roles, basically. So in terms of energy transition, but uh, the other, uh, my other roles uh, besides the energy transition is, of course, to, to increase the production because Pertamina has a commitment to support the Indonesian government in terms of oil and gas production, because as you know, Currently, Indonesia is uh, is importing uh, the oil and gas, right? even though we're, we're we have many resources. So we're we're still uh, we're still lacking in terms of production and also uh, drilling and exploration and so on. So because geomechanics is playing uh, a very important roles in terms of uh, drilling, uh, exploration, and so on. So I'm also supporting the other departments uh, in terms of uh, drilling uh, exploration and also uh, geothermal also uh, dr rachel mm-hmm. because um as we know that you know uh, there are new projects in in, in canada that they're uh, using co2 as the geothermal working fluid now yep. mm-hmm. so uh, they conducted few studies that uh, it's proving that co2 has a few of uh, characteristic or thermodynamics properties that are better than water uh, to to be the ge- the geothermal working fluid awesome. because some of our geothermal field is also uh, having difficulties in getting the water for uh, as the geothermal working fluid. Yeah. So I also um, suggested to the top level management if we're using CO two as the geothermal working fluid as well. Mm-hmm. So you know it's like we're using one stone to to throw two birds. Uh, yeah. In a way. So yeah. So those are my current world of region. Oh, that's awesome. Could you tell us a bit more about uh, the projects going on in Indonesia specifically in terms of carbon capture and um, CCUS for EOR? 
Yeah, so for EOR, um, as being uh, published in the news release, we are doing it in Sukowati field. Mm -hmm. uh, this is collaborated with one of the Japanese company and also supported by the Japanese uh, government. So that's uh, in terms of EOR, but in terms of EGR, we also uh, doing it in the other field. It's in the Gundi field. Mm -hmm. It's also collaborated with uh, the other Japanese companies. So uh, basically, uh, in Gundi and Sukawati, we don't only target to do uh, CO2 sequestration or CO2 storage in the southern aquifer or in the depleted reservoir, but we're also doing it in, in terms of uh, enhancing the oil and gas production. In Sukawati, we're trying to increase the, the reservoir pressure because the reservoir pressure is, also, is already depleted or decreasing or declining, right? So by uh, injecting the CO2, our... Our expectation is we can increase the reservoir pressure and uh, we can do the, the CO2 and the water, uh, we call it WAG, water alternating uh, gas uh, CO2 injection. So it, it can be alternating with water or it can be a CO2 pure. Uh, it, it depends on later on uh, after the, uh, from the final, uh, final study because we haven't finished the study yet. Uh, we're still doing few of the geomechanics, geochemistry, and also a reservoir modeling for the Sukawati, uh, Dr. Rachel. And also in Gundi, same thing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, interestingly, when we're injecting CO2 in few of the formations, right, that um, when we're injecting the CO2, uh, this CO2 can uh, cut the bond between the methane gas with the uh, formation surface or the rock surface. Uh, so we can cut the bond uh, of the methane and then we can, uh, how to say, we can uh, store the CO2 on the formation surface uh, using the adsorption uh, mechanism. Mm -hmm. So this is very interesting because I did this research when I was in UC of Petronas and it was proven uh, that the CO2, uh, when we're injecting CO2 and then uh, in some of the rocks, such as shale and carbonate, mm -hmm. carbonate, carbonate, um, that it can be uh, stored uh, using the adsorption mechanism. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, this is interesting, uh, Dr. Rachel. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That's, that's amazing. Um, so in terms of the energy transition, how do you see things playing out? Let's talk about Indonesia first and then maybe globally. So maybe like five years from now, how do you see things going in Indonesia and globally? And then what about like, let's say 10 or 15 years from now, how would things shift or change? Yeah, I think um, the energy transition issue, I think it's not a new issue, right? It was, mm -hmm. it has been there for many, many years already, right? But then I think People got noticed about it, I think, since COP in Paris, right, COP15. So um, there's a lot of uh, obligation that we need uh, to do in terms of the lowering the the temperature of the earth and so on, right, by, mm -hmm. by two degrees. But then, you know, if 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 uh, we if we see some studies um, majorly, right, in, in the other countries, for example, uh, that, that I, I already did the study as well, that you can see that there are large-scale uh, CCS uh, projects in Americas, right? Mm -hmm. in, in Brazil, such as Petrobras. Uh, they already did CO2 EOR project. Mm -hmm. 
even offshore, right? So, mm -hmm. and and even in Canada, they already had the government's emission reduction policy effectively on July first in two thousand fifteen. And also, if you're if you're seeing China, China already did few research and uh, projects since two thousand five. So I think uh, globally it has been uh, done widely, right? And then it has been a concern for these many countries, um, like like China that I I mentioned just now. There's a lot of projects because I think it's being supported by the government because some of the research are uh, government funded. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called uh, uh, it's called uh, MOSD fund. And also uh, China is being collaborated with Europe, collaborate with Australia and USA and so on based on my studies. Uh, those are globally. And then if you're talking about Indonesia specifically, um, Indonesia, I think uh, just uh, conducting the CCS and CCS and also energy transition in just, I think the last few, three years probably, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then, as I mentioned, Rachel, sadly, we don't have the CCS regulation yet. So, mm -hmm. for example, for the mechanism, right, we don't have, um, how to say, it? there's no, uh, there's no mechanism that, uh, how to say, obviously, um, uh, can benefit Indonesia, if, mm -hmm. I, if I say it personally. Yeah. Because, for example, many collaborators uh, come to Indonesia with their own uh, mechanism, right? For example, uh, yeah. the one that we're collaborating with Japan, they have a uh, few uh, mechanism. We call it, uh, they call it uh, GCM, right? A joint crediting mechanism. Okay. This is between their uh, their government with our government. Okay. So um, there's no such a regulation that, for example, who's going to cover the CAPEX, who's going to cover the OPEX, and so on and so on, right? So yeah. uh, between one collaborator to other collaborator, we have to adjust, and then we have to learn from scratch which one is uh, more benefit to, to Indonesia and, and so on. Now, we don't have the carbon tax yet. We don't have the carbon trading yet. But recently, we, we did, uh, Pertamina, we uh, did uh, carbon trading uh, with uh, by one of the subholding uh, Pertamina Geothermal with one of the company in Singapore. So so it's it's going there. Uh, uh, it's going to uh, to follow the other countries, but I think it's it's it's, it's going very slowly, uh, mm. Dr. Rachel, because you know in terms of the technical uh, experts, uh, we don't have that many yet, right? Okay. And then we don't have a very strict. Uh, government uh, bodies such as for example EPA, EPA and so on right mm -hmm. so um, I think heavily we're really relying on the expertise in Pertamina because uh, Pertamina the one that that uh, owns the, 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 the main fields of oil and gas in Indonesia yeah. and what else if we're talking about technical and then we're talking about regulations and then law and then uh, economics and so on yeah. we don't have it yet Okay. in place right so we're still uh, we're still uh, learning from from the other countries and then how how they deal with it and then what are the success stories and also the the, the lesson learned from the other countries Dr. Richard. yeah i i guess i i completely understand now why you are so passionate about going back and staying in indonesia going forward <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense because I mean, I could see someone like you setting up a lot of that and laying the foundation, hopefully, for the country going forward. 
Yeah, I'm trying my best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so inspiring. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so I guess, would you say that in 10 to 15 years, you hope to see some of that policy and foundation in place uh, within Indonesia so they can sort of um, join the rest of the world and what they're doing to reduce carbon emissions? Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question, Rachel, because uh, probably not many people know, but us uh, as Pertamina and also the other SOEs, such as uh, I don't know whether if you know PLN, PLN is the one that regulating and providing the the electricity in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. So uh, both of us, Pertamina and PLN, are the the major companies that in terms of uh, producing uh, greenhouse gas, right? Yep. So uh, we're we're the you know if you put if you put Zoom, it will be in Pertamina and PLN, right? Because uh, we are the energy uh, provider company. So, of course, it's going to be on us, mm -hmm. on the CO2 and uh, methane and the other greenhouse gas uh, emission. So, uh, many people don't know that, you know, we're, we're doing our best to... Uh, to reduce the emission, doing so many initiatives and so on. And I think because we realize that we we are not the expert in terms of this uh, energy transition, uh, we are hiring uh, consultants, Dr. Rachel, and mm -hmm. then it's not cheap. No. <laughs> it's very expensive yeah, to hire the, the best of the best in terms of the consultant. And then we're also demanding that the consultant to work with the with the other even uh, the best of uh, consultant in terms of the car the carbon trading carbon market and so on because uh, we don't want to be stuck in only in in injecting it into our uh, into our fields uh, but we want to mon monetize it as well yeah so we're, we're asking this consultant to uh, to work with the best consultant in terms of this carbon market I don't want to mention the company but it's only there's only one company in the world right now that that can that can handle this CO, uh, CO2 market mm -hmm. uh, in the world. So we're, we're hiring them. And then so they're they're advising us yeah. how to um, how to doing it uh, top down, right? Uh, top down meaning uh, how to how to uh, put down the, uh, the strategic uh, in terms of the top level management, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, sadly, not many of the top level management also aware but what is this us what yeah. is energy transition and so on right so mm -hmm. we have to educate the, the top level management first and then they can you know spread it out into their teams and and make it make it as a you know uh, as a basic and uh, day-to-day uh, activities right and then uh, we we are asking the advice from the consultant as well how to do initiative because we have so many subholdings uh, we have so many uh refineries right mm -hmm. that uh, we have to uh, apply uh, the the co2 emission in terms of operation in terms of strategic level in terms of you know for example to increase our esg rating right esg sdg and so on so those uh, those parts of the uh, of that uh, high level strategic uh, planning where we're hiring the consultant and also for the, the business operation optimization in terms of the the lower CO two initiative, uh, Dr. Rachel. So I'm I'm not the expert in surface facilities, but I also know that there are many um, CCUS 
not CCUS per se, but CCU, probably mm -hmm. the, the utilization mm -hmm. in terms of surface. For example, they're converting the CO2 to the PCC, right? The precipitated uh, calcium carbonate. And then what else they're doing? The, the blue ammonia, blue hydrogen, uh, and so on and so mm -hmm. on. So we're, we're doing a lot of those, those things right now. And then I know that the management, the top level management, they want to have it uh, as fast as uh, possible, right? So uh, in terms of your, uh, developing our technology, uh, our own technology from scratch. So we're collaborating with the other companies to, um, to use the, the applied technology, Dr. Richard. So we don't develop it by ourselves, but we're collaborating with the other companies, yeah. such as uh, Exxon, Chevron, and so on. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, that's what we're doing right now. Dr. Yeah, Richard. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So to end our podcast today, philosophically speaking, do you think, uh, or I'm sure you're hopeful, I know you're hopeful, but do you think that we will be able to curb our carbon emissions enough to actually combat the effects of climate change going forward? Do you think we'll be able to do it? Uh, <laughs> I, you're the second person I've asked and now I'm just like, I think I'm just gonna ask everyone because I, I mean, I'm super hopeful. I just wanna get a, a range of views yeah. to see what people think. <laughs> Because if we're talking about the emission, um, you know, there, there, there are three, I, I forgot what are the terms, but you know, there are three, uh, three terms or three terms of emission that we have to talk about, right? So the first emission is whatever the emission that we're uh, producing from mm -hmm. our operation, right? And then the second one is, uh, I forgot the other, the, the, the second one, but the third one is the emission that is being produced from our products, something like that, right? Yeah. Uh, so there are these three uh, things that we have to manage. So I think the first one will be easy because it's, it's within our control, right? Yeah. And then, but the second one and then the third one is like something that is being emitted in, in, in between, you know, it's like after we sell our gasoline, then how much emission that you can produce, right? Something like that. So this is kind of beyond our control, but uh, we also talking to the consultant, how, how to be able to reduce this uh, number two and number three emission, right? So we're, we're still working with them uh, in terms of this one. Yeah, but the the other solution that we're also talking about is not on the subsurface of sur or surface, for example, Dr. Rachel is then the natural based solution, right? I think that's the the easiest and the fastest thing that we can do, which is grow some plant, grow some plants, right? Basically, yeah. So so uh, we're we're finding and we're we're working with the professors in uh, one of university here. Uh, it's called IPB Institute Pertanian Bogor. It's uh, it's a university that focusing in agriculture, so uh, they're conducting many studies that you know that can show which uh, plants that can absorb the most CO two and also can hold the most water yeah. on on surface uh, subsurface right on the groundwater. Yeah. So we're also doing that uh, basically because it's also helping our geothermal uh, field yep. uh, that we can have more water for their uh, geothermal uh, working fluid and so on so if, if you're talking another 10 or 15 years i think uh, as as yourself i think i have to be optimistic right but yep. then since i'm seeing the data on the, on the field and then seeing 
how how we work you know because we're working in, in a government company which is you know sometimes we have the you know uh things that we cannot bypass right if, if if you're talking about if you want to fast something usually we have to skip some of the regulation not to say skip off regulation but skip off the you know structures in terms of the permission and yeah. so on right so uh, it takes us some time to to be able to adjust and make those things faster i think but you know if if uh if my my main uh my main role it was it's supposed to be production right increasing the production of oil and gas to creature but uh honestly they day to day my day to day workload is on ccus so yeah. Yeah. i'm i'm helping the i'm i'm advising the uh, services companies such as Lambrigier and and the other companies to uh, to conduct the study um, properly, right? For example, we have to avoid the fault. We have to, you know, um, conduct the field measurement on the cap rock and so on and so on. If you're talking about CCUS, and then uh, so yeah, if you're asking me ten to fifteen years, I think I I I have to be optimistic. And then, you know, I think. Um, with the CEO uh, going to the US uh, a few weeks ago and then uh, have collaboration MOU with the other uh, big energy companies such as Chevron and Exxon. I think it's one of the catalysts or uh, accelerator to to um, accelerate our initiative to reach the net zero emission in uh, by 2050 um, for Indonesia, Dr. Rachel. So, uh, you know, cross fingers, I hopefully we can achieve those goals in 2050, Dr. Rachel. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Belladonna. It was wonderful chatting with you. You're such a wealth of knowledge and information and you're very inspiring. So I really appreciate your time and yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Rachel, for having me. It's it's uh, it's very exciting to be able to share and then, you know, um, let the other people in, in the world know that, you know, us in Indonesia are doing our best mm-hmm. uh, to also lower the, the mission for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by the Midwest Regional Carbon Initiative, which is a structured five-year program funded by the U.S. Department of Energy. It is co-led by Battelle and the Illinois State Geological Survey. The initiative works to connect science, technology, and research to advance CCUS acceptance and deployment in 20 states across the Midwest, Mid-Atlantic, and New England regions of the United States.